As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. I'm Joe Devine and I'm now joined by JJ Bull the Bullet. Hello, JJ. Hello. How are you? I'm really good. Good to be here. Having a great time. Well, it's great to have I'm you super here. super awake. <laughs> yeah, super awake. Um, for reference, listeners to the podcast, uh, we are live streaming this right now from YouTube. It's Sunday night. We've just watched the AFCON final and a few other bits of football stuff uh, from today. And it went on about half an hour longer than we were expecting. Slightly more, 45 minutes, some might say. So we're a little bit tired now. I was expecting it to do this judging by how Egypt tend to play. Yeah, that's true. It was probably guessable. And do you know what? A man who almost certainly guessed that this was the case also joins us now. It's the Athletics' Carl Anker. Hi, Carl. Hello there. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you getting on? I'm good, thanks. Carl's joining us all the way from Manchester. Modern technology is absolutely uh, fantastic. Riveting stuff, isn't it? There we go. Uh, now, anyway, today we'll be talking about the AFCON final. Uh, we'll also be asking Carl some questions about AFCON generally, because it's been a splendid tournament. Um, and then Carl will wave us goodbye and go to bed at a normal time. And uh, JJ and I will continue to talk about Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, big game. Uh, Inter AC was this, uh, this weekend, of course, too. Man United lost to Middlesbrough on penalties, and lots of other FA Cup-related stories happened. So we'll talk about those later on, too. And, of course, Burnley and Watford with a nil-nil draw, which will almost certainly lead the podcast because of the uh, big nature <laughs> and of I that can story. confirm now that I have definitely seen that game. Yes. Well, in fact, I can confirm that JJ and I have seen almost all of these games. Yes. Burnley um, and Watford was certainly a game of football that occurred this there weekend. There you go. That's, That's exactly it. what happened. The delicate way of saying things. Um, and in fact, if you're interested in the delicate way of saying things, then you should visit The Athletic because they always say things in a delicate way, unless it needs hammering home, in which case they really, they hammer it home. They go down B&Q, they buy a hammer and they hammer it home as hard as, as needs be to get the, to get the facts across. <laughs> that doesn't sound good at all. Anyway, it's The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com forward slash TIFO, theathletic.com forward slash TIFO, where you'll be able to find all kinds of wonderful writing, including from the wonderful Carl Anker. Carl, tell us about the best piece you've ever written for The Athletic. Oh, wow, that's a really fun question. Uh, the best piece I've written for The Athletic in the year 2022 mm, mm. Is, is a piece I wrote just before AFCON started, which which opined why AFCON matters yes. and why, uh, despite the inconsistent and slightly sparse coverage 
the tournament had in its group stages, I believe this football tournament to be a vibrant, entertaining, thrilling and dramatic tournament that has no real peer or comparison in world football. You can only really define an AFCON when you compare it to a different AFCON. Because yeah. once you talk about an AFCON for too long, you start going, wait, you're not, how is that possible in the game of football? <laughs> well, there we go. I agree. I read that piece of cards and it was very fun. You did use a lot of adjectives there to describe uh, AFCON, uh, all synonyms of exciting. I'm not sure today would be the best day to use all those, uh, <laughs> those words, but we will come to talk about that. But for the time being, now that producer Don has solved the live audio issue and JJ Bull is here stacked and ready to go, I will leave you in the warm hands and the cool embrace of Carl Anker. Yes, Senegal through, through, win. Senegal win on penalties, Carl, is what I'm trying to say. Now, uh, there were many people before the game that uh, that tweeted very amusingly about how the game was likely to go to extra time and penalties. Egypt, of course, famously having only scored four goals to reach the final so far. Um, but of course, it was Senegal that passed and it feels like the right winner in the end, doesn't it? Great deal of catharsis for, for Senegal and, and fans of Senegalese football. Uh, I believe there's been two or three polls of varying formality that, that uh, asked many African nations who they'd be supporting in the African final. And it was a very uh, very clear sub-Saharan. Most sub-Saharan African nations were supporting Senegal and most North African nations were supporting Egypt. Yeah, that was off, interesting. Which, yeah, again, one of those things where you go, oh, that makes sense. And then you look a bit deeper into certain countries that were didn't quite cue that line. You go, ah, right, yes derbies and whatnot and other political one-upsmanship and aggro mm. uh it was it's a it was a not a entertaining final by any chance i'd say you know largely by design from carlos Queiroz's this egyptian side that very much wanted to reduce the amount of football being played um a fantastic uh twitter commentator on football at united arena looked up the amount of uh, the in-play minutes of the ball in this final so in the 90 minutes that were played uh, the ball was only in play for around about 40 uh, which is, yeah. is very Keros-esque in terms of we're gonna in the Deschamps style or in the on the Santos style of Portugal 2016 you can get to a final of international competition by not really playing too much football and yeah. just smothering the space and on that point Carl can I say we made a video on TIFO about three years ago where we talked about time wasting and mm -hmm. I believe in the last five or six years the game with the uh, littlest amount of time actually played was between Cardiff and Burnley I think <laughs> and it was it was 39 minutes so that this was 40 in 90 that really puts it in uh, you know it's a strong contender for uh, the least amount of football played in the football game yeah so if you are a fan of football being played in football matches then I <laughs> I think you will like the fact that Senegal won. I think this, I know we talk about narratives and stories, uh, that the narratives involved in, in, in a Senegalese victory at AFCON, it's their first ever AFCON in, in their entire history. Alou Cisse, their manager, lost in as a player in 2002, yeah. missing a penalty in that shootout as well. Uh, Senegal also lost in the final of the 2019 AFCON uh, to Algeria 1-0. So this is a really, this feels like a culmination for, for this Senegal team you know this is Ali Suisse has been in charge for a decent amount of time he's taken them from their 
their highest peak since the 2002 side he played in. Yeah. Uh, with Sadio Mane, you remember their efforts in the 2018 World Cup that I'm still yeah. angry about because they should not, they didn't, they they only got knocked out of the World Cup due to disciplinary <laughs> issues. And I've got, yeah. I've got, I'm going to call HR about that. But this um, is nice though, isn't it? Because I know that there were some supporters who were starting to maybe question the long-term view oh, yeah. of Alex Cissé. This was Cisse. very much so Cissé's final one. Yeah, yeah, it was very much Cissé sort of, I'm not going to say it's the last dance, but it was very much seen as the beginning of the end of this window of opportunity. It was sort of the last one where uh, the likes of Mane and Koulibaly uh, were going to be at the their peak of their powers. And even though the Senegalese team runs fairly deep, you know, they've still got, you know, Premier League watches, no, Saar from, from Watford and whatnot. They've got some players coming through. This very much felt like this will be the last real opportunity for Mane, uh, Cissé and, and Koulibaly to win that, despite the fact that they're going to do it all over again next year in Ivory Coast. Well, listen, I think the thing that uh, emblemised the final for me, Sadio Mane scoring the the, the winning penalty. In fact, th you know, this game was sort of set up beforehand, I suppose, a kind of Anglo-centric way of looking at it or a Premier League-focused way of looking at it. It was the Salah versus Mane final. Um, it's quite interesting to me that Salah was going to take the fifth penalty, doesn't even get the opportunity to do so. And uh, and uh, Mane, that was a fantastic penalty to win the game, wasn't it? He really hammered it. One reason I have, I, I'm a, I adore watching Sadio Mane play football. I think he's one of the most entertaining footballers to watch since around like 2018. And he's got a very, um, I always describe it as an upper gear, a very visible upper gear. He sort of, you can see when Mane takes a breath, rolls his sleeves, I'm going, all right, I'm going to try and win this game now. Uh, you can, Sometimes it doesn't always come off, uh, you know, notably the, the 2018 Champions League final, but he has this sort of, have you ever watched someone try and solve a Rubik's Cube and go, oh wait, not that way, let me fix it that way. That's mm. Mane when he's running at pace and trying to solve loads of options. And I, I really enjoy it when he makes a mistake and goes, I'm going to fix this later on. So the fact that he missed the penalty, you know, within the first five minutes of this Afcon final, and then there's that, you know, there's that moment just before he takes the penalty where Salah is telling Gabinski, sort of, this is where Mane, you know, mouth covered. This is where Mane puts his penalties, and Mane just walks up to the Egyptian goalkeeper and goes, "No, I put it. I'm going to put it that way." And he lied, by the way. He lied about the direction he was going to put it. Sent you the opposite direction, but it was saved. So, yeah, angry Mane is a, is a very fun thing to watch in football and he he definitely hit that uh, penalty with with a fury yeah. there that was fun also the interesting thing is even though we, we talk about this with such a, a Premier League centric or, or an Anglo centric way this final was is defined by the defenders right sure. Senegal as a national team in this AFCON and in their last AFCON they're a defence first team Koulibaly uh, you know anchors what is the stingiest slash successful team in African football mm -hmm. they won all of their knockout games in the last AFCON by a single goal. Uh, I think they only scored one goal to get through the the groups in this AFCON as well. So we can talk about Sadio Mane and Ismail Assar and whatnot, but no, Alucise, first and foremost, he builds a team that know how to win uh, knockout games. And to do that in, in all of international football right now, you need to be stout. Yeah. solid and very economical in your goal scoring. Yeah, for sure. So. For sure. Well, JJ, talking about defending, one way of defending is fouling. And I believe around 90 minutes in there, but already been 50 fouls in the game. It's 53 in total. 53 in total. Yeah. That's a lot. Now put that into perspective. Just say a lot. It's uh, many more than you would normally expect to get in a game. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Sure. I'm sure I have. You looked up the stats for the other teams in the tournament as well, and uh, fouls per game wasn't it? Was it? Was oh, it Gabon yeah. that had 26 on average fouls per game? 
Gabon have the highest fouls per uh, per ninety rate, which is something crazy of uh, twenty six point three. <laughs> it's like every three minutes, forty seconds. I looked through like most of the leagues. I looked through the Argentinian league, then more the European leagues. No one trying to find a, a one with a higher rate. No team is is close to that. Sure. Again, um, you can only compare an Afcon to other Afcon. It's <laughs> a unique time signature. Super. But then so, Egypt are behind them. They're the second most fouls yeah. per game, nineteen point seven. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. absurd. Absurd. Yeah. You think about, oh, you know, obviously the, the first round of, of get group games in Afcon. I think the, the nine games we saw had something like six one nil game and, yeah. th- and two draws. Yeah. And a lot of the discussion was why is this such a such a low scoring uh, uh, tournament? To which there was a, a great tweet that simply said, "Well, you're playing against grown men that aren't afraid to hurt you." Yeah, and th- this is Afcon. There is there are no airs and no graces. You can be a Champions League winner. You can be uh, a World Cup quarterfinals, or, or, or you know constantly play 60 games a season for one of the 12 richest clubs in in the world yeah but when it comes to AFCON you will have a game on a pitch of ambiguous quality and be up against a fullback who plays for maybe 1% of your yearly salary and that fullback will know I've got one yellow card in the bank yeah. And I'm going to do as many fouls as I can before I get that <laughs> yellow card and then from then on I'm just going to be super sneaky so I don't get another yellow card this is yeah. If again, if you if you're a football fan that likes watching football, maybe you might not like this. But also, I think if you're a football fan that talks about how money is ruined the game, or perhaps talks about how advances in in player care and 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 statistics and the efficiency of goal scoring have stopped players from dribbling or stopped you know just ridiculous open passages of play, then I would wholeheartedly advise you watch Afcon because there will always be a twenty minute period where the concept of midfield is forgotten and everyone's just running at each other. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to miss it, you know. It's been fun this January. Um, on, on the sort of note of what you were saying there, Carl, I, uh, I listened to you on, on Wrighty's House, Ian Wright's podcast, a couple of weeks ago, and you said something which uh, stuck with me throughout January. I kept thinking about it as I was watching games. Um, you said, it's AFCON, anyone can get it, is your, was your description yeah. of the group stages. <laughs> so I really loved that, uh, obviously, of course, meaning any team can win. Uh, and so I wanted to ask you, uh, as we say, congratulations to Senegal for winning and move on from the final. I wanted to ask you, Carl, what was your favourite anyone can get it moment from AFCON 2021? Unfortunately, it's the one that knocked my country out of the tournament, which was so Comoros' com- victory over Ghana in the final group stage <laughs> yeah. game is a true... Anyone can get anyone it. Anyone can get it. It was, it was. Ghana went into that game... Andre, I before the game was even played, when let's not even talk about Ghana not making the knockouts, we're going to beat Comoros. And they went 2 0 down after 20 minutes and they lost their captain after 25. Uh, it, it was a ridiculous farcical game that, if you're not a Ghanaian football fan, you can say that was highly entertaining. It was the game of the tournament so far. I also think the way Ivory Coast put Algeria sent them out of the tournament yeah. very Big much had surprise. me think, oh, hang on, Ivory Coast is turn up a cycle early and they're going to do yeah. something so anyone can get it anyone can get it <laughs> really they can like that I, honestly I, it did stick with me JJ what was your favourite moment of the tournament um, you were talking a lot about that goal question. earlier oh the Malawi goal yeah that's probably the goal of the tournament isn't it oh, this is, so this is, um, his name's Mango isn't it MH I can't remember the name A-N-G-O of the Mahango, I can't remember his name uh, yeah the boy so I think that ball is still moving now yeah through the air I don't understand the physics of how do you know the goal we're talking about Carl the Malawi goal from about 40 yards out oh, I can't yeah. he, I can't his oh. foot is only about a, a, a foot away from the ball when he kicks it I don't know how he gets that much power it doesn't seem to dip this is the thing that normally like gravity would pull that down 
Gravity's, totally just... gravity's different at AFCON. XG is more of a, a gentle suggestion rather than <laughs> a basis for taking shots in AFCON, which is fun. Again, if you are the, the sort of football fan that misses long-range speculative efforts that somehow managed to careen in or, or semi-farcical goals as yeah. evidenced by Ivory Ghosts, Ivory Ghost, Ivory Coast's <laughs> opening. Oh, I'm interested uh, in Ivory Ghost. <laughs> Ivory Coast opening group game. There is sort of two great joys to to football. One is where you're watching high quality players play at the best of their ability, and you're seeing the the limits of, of what is possible in football being pushed. Another one is when you're seeing very good football players play quite badly, mm. uh, and Afcon very often has both <laughs> in the same yeah. game. Greatly enjoyable. Uh, my final question to you, Carl, before we let you go to bed is uh, stand-up players. Would you tell us, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, Sadio Mane is still on the show for me uh, as, as we approach the end. But there were lots of players whose names I didn't recognise, who play for clubs that I haven't seen before. Um, whether Was there anyone that stood out to you that wasn't obvious before the tournament began? Uh, Vincent Abokar, who might not be the most well-known to, to Premier League watchers, the sure. Cameroon go- um, captain. Yeah. Top <laughs> goal scorer for the tournament, right? Top goal scorer for the tournament, who seems to not quite enjoy... The amount of attention Mohamed Salah gets, which was yeah. uh, made for a nice little bit of needle in that semi-final as well. Uh, Egypt's now Egypt's third choice goalkeeper who started this final, Gabitz, yeah. Gabaski. Who uh, is he? The third is he the third choice goalkeeper? He was the third choice goal. He did not feature in any group game of Egypt in, during this tournament, but due to to injuries and. and affectations anyone uh, can get it JJ honestly could, basket, I th- he was he was so big in goal he's so tall he looks massive he's, I think he like, some of it might even be the presence game. he has so yeah. like some people are tall right and they just are big people but if you come across with a confidence that you know you're going to yeah. save stuff it, just it was his like, presence it almost looked like he was standing in front of the the goal line, even though he wasn't, because yeah. he's got that presence. That yeah, he needs. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. I had no idea. I didn't realize that he was the third choice goalkeeper. There we go. Yeah, oh. and just just the entire Commerce team. I think everyone uh, involved in Commerce, you should you should look up as well. Uh, I would also say, boom, 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 uh, the round of sixteen game between I want to say Equatorial Guinea mm. and Cameroon mm. has a gentleman who plays for AS Roma who I always... Carl speaks more slowly while Googling the name. <laughs> yes, yes. Slow the uh, sentence down so no one notices. <laughs> there's a gentleman there who plays defensive midfield for AS Roma, who also features for the Equatorial Guinea. Who right. is just he, The story of his, his footballing journey is one of the most remarkable things I've ever heard in my life. At the age of, I think he just basically leaves home and goes, right, I'm, I'm going to travel halfway across the world. Uh, basically was granted refugee status in Italy uh, and worked through the Italian academy system essentially as an orphan so he can make realise his footballing dream. His name escapes me right now and I feel really, 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 really bad. Uh, someone chats me- at Diomara, <laughs> is that it? Yes, yes, uh, yes. Uh, he's is Diomara? He is very, he's very much There we go. Thank you, to the, ch- thank you uh, to the chat. And... Uh, while he, you know, while not everyone necessarily wants to to look up a defensive midfielder, <coughs> Manchester United, please look up a defensive midfielder. <laughs> um, I think his story and and how he came to to be playing football, and and also how Equatorial Guinea came to to coming to this African Cup of Nations and reaching the knockout stages, is remarkable. Uh, uh, there was a great stat in in BBC during the extra time coverage where they said they had never been an extra, there hasn't been an extra time winner in an Afcon final since 1965. There are four nations that competed at this African Cup of Nations that have gained their independence since 1965. Right, African football is such a 
a joyous and freeing concept and is constantly full of people and pe people who have done incredible things within our lifetimes mm. and have done things that if you're listening to this and you are you know uk based or, or you know european based you thankfully don't have to do or consider anymore right if, if you want to be a football player in the United Kingdom, you you go to an academy, you find a club. You don't necessarily do things like what Sadio Mane did, which is essentially one day up and leave his village, catch a bus to Dakar, play in the street for ages and just hope someone recognises you. Yeah. There's, there's a great point in uh, Sadio Mane's life where he called up his mother from a hotel and his mother went, where are you in the world? And he just didn't know because he knew he was vaguely in Europe and he knew he was somewhere close to Switzerland as part of his sort of great trajectory to where he is. But he just went, no, I'm, I'm here now. I don't know where I am. When I figure out the nearest city that is recognizable to me in a map, a Paris, a, 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 a Vienna, a Berlin, then I can tell you where you are and we can possibly get you over. And you mm -hmm. now consider he has just helped his nation win the very first African Cup of Nations ever. God, I love AFCON. It's amazing. That is very cool. Well, I will say as well as uh, as well as all the unexpected, as well as all the anyone can get it, it is worth pointing out that the three of the four sort of favourite teams ahead did make it to the to the semi final stage. And the Algeria, of course, going out in the group stages was the was the was the really big shock. And also um, also as Nigeria wasn't it going out in the round of sixteen immediately after winning all of their all of their group games. So there were some sort of giants falling along the way. Um, but what a fantastic tournament! I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss it. It was nice to watch throughout January. You remember, also it feeds right into World Cup qualifying. So Senegal will play Egypt in World Cup qualifying in March. Ghana yes. will play Nigeria in World Cup qualifying in March. They didn't, they haven't faced each other in a long time. But Ghana versus Nigeria is essentially the biggest derby in sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, Daniel Story, uh, who writes for the Eye Paper, wrote this excellent piece about the, the, the nascent African Super League and why it won't work. And he essentially made the point that while African football doesn't necessarily have um, one of the inherent thrills about African football is the derbies in that, again, not only does everyone, anyone can get it, but basically every nation has another nation they desperately, desperately, desperately want to beat. Uh, and due to terrible colonialist reasons into FIFA, uh, where there's only five World Cup qualification spots, that means every time there's World Cup qualifying playoffs, there's always at least one huge derby to get a World Cup slot. So March international break, give that a watch. And we get to do AFCON all over again in June next year because it's in Ivory Coast. That is exciting. There we go. Well, Carl Anker, thanks so much for joining us. It's very, very late on a Sunday night. You should, you should go to bed now. But thank you so much for being here. We much appreciate it. And uh, did you want to say, JJ, you've been opening your mouth for the last couple of minutes like you wanted to say something. Oh, no. <laughs> you just have an open mouth. Sometimes my mouth opens. Okay. <laughs> Well, JJ's open mouth uh, indicates a goodbye and a thank you yes. to you, Karl Anka. And uh, we hope to see you again soon. I hope to be yes. back soon. Thank you for having me. See you soon. Yeah. Have a great okay, week, buddy. everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Are you having a nice time, JJ? Yeah, I'm having a lovely time so far. I like doing these live streams. They're nice. Someone's asked. Um, uh, <laughs> what someone asked? Steve Jennings says, JJ's open mouth allowing the ivory ghost to inhibit him. <laughs> well, this is good. That is good. JJ breathing like a fish as usual, says Big Brito. Yes, breathing like a fish. Fine. Any other comments about that? Uh, that is good. That is good. Let's have a quick look at the chat and see if I've missed anything. Mm. Uh, avocado on toast is the best. Well, banana drama. Some people I know in London would agree with you, but others agree with me that peanut butter on toast is the best. <laughs> yeah. Ah, we've returned. What a lovely break that was. Learned so many things during that break. Uh, thanks again to Carl Anker for joining us uh, so late on a Sunday evening. What a terrific guy. Um, but now we'll be talking, we'll be bidding farewell to AFCON, adieu, and we'll be talking about Barcelona 4 to Atletico Madrid. What a game, I would say. I love this. What a game. Very, very exciting, particularly that opening goal from Jordi Alba. Goodness me, he shinned it, but boy, did he shin it well. The wonder goal he scored, yeah. Well, I mean, that was set the up. The wonder as, goal, yeah. That's uh, the one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was set up by Adama Traore who got Indeed a standing ovation. So we'll stay on the Jordi Alba goal. Yes, but, please, um, do, please do stay on it. Yeah, so Adama Traore started wide right. Um, and so it, like Barcelona are playing very much, Xavi's Barcelona is very much, I think, like how you'd expect it to be because you think he's a lot like Guardiola and it is just very similar. Very high line, um, really intense pressing in numbers. They congregate in numbers on like the flanks. So you'll get maybe five players or four players in the same little vertical space a small-sided rondo, so they have a little rondo in, during a game so they can then switch to the other side. Yes. And Traore was hugging the right touchline, so that Danny Alves, who's the right back, was coming in as a central midfielder. <laughs> yeah. And uh, um, so the, the shape looked like that kind of Guardiola thing that you have now. We have inverted wing-backs who come into midfield to fill the midfield, and then Traore stays wide. And uh, yeah, he set up that. He, he was really good in this game, and the little cross that he put into Alba for that was great, but he definitely shinned it. Sure, but, but you know, if you can, if you if you if you if you catch a wonder goal on the shin, in some ways that makes it even more impressive, because the technique was there to allow for the shin to score the goal. I'm not sure it makes it more impressive if you execute the technique incorrectly. Maybe Jordi Alba knew that the only way to score the goal was to catch it on the shin, because it wasn't. When we say the shin, it was really where the shin meets the foot. Some would say the front of the ankle rather than the shin. Well, that, it wasn't a shin. What's that bit of the leg called, though? The the front ankle. The fin. I think it was shin. the fin of the leg. That's right. In the crook. The crook of where the foot meets the leg, that's where it hit. And in some cases, that's the right part of the body for these sorts of shots. Well, he's got a side spin on it as well. So he's trying to connect. It's quite... The technique is hard in the first place, regardless of whether he shins it or not, because mm. it's, it's such a height that he sort of has to lift his leg higher than you might want to. But he gets... Obviously, there we have to do is is get your head, you have to stay over the ball so you don't just balloon it into the yeah. sky. So then to then strike through it and get the side spin to pitch in the corner, it was it, that was great. But the whole game was, like, I thought Barcelona were superb in that first half. Especially. Yeah, they were great. Um, they were great. In fact, they scored four goals against Atletico Madrid. There's another thing I wanted to ask you about that seems a little unusual. Of course, we know that Atletico Madrid have been 
um, trying to transition to a slightly different style recently. It's not really that clear what Diego Simeone wants to do um, with the ball. Uh, but any team, you know, any t- we, 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 we've we seen the number of goals conceded across the last sort of five seasons, or at least their XG against has remained fairly consistent for the last five years, despite that change. So um, shipping four goals, very unusual thing for Atletico Madrid to do. Yeah, I've not seen enough of Atletico to know exactly what's going on that's wrong with him. But we're looking at some numbers earlier and it looks a bit like... Uh, so the underlying stats in XG and... <laughs> Sorry. So the under. <laughs> this is too long for there not to be any talking on the live stream. I know, I know. What I know. you're trying to say is that the underlying stats show that despite the ch- the change in style, um, they're not they are not really conceding many more opportunities against than they ordinarily would, right? So I know that the, the, the sort yeah, of popular the, the popular thing at the moment is to say, well, they're not defending as well. Like yeah. I think people look at football teams in sort of one of two way, two ways, either. They're high possession, they're high attacking, or they sit back and score on the counter-attack. We know that there are, um, you know, many, many styles in between those two. And Atletico Madrid certainly are trying to to translate from one to another. <laughs> but their, their, their individual uh, goals uh, XG against it really hasn't, hasn't gone up that much. Well, the underlying numbers show that they're actually about as good as they were last season. This is the weird thing. So... In the, in the table, the actual stats that matter with the points they've won and stuff like that, they are not, <laughs> they're not doing very well. They are, I think after the match, I think Savage came out and he was talking about how they know they need to be doing much better, obviously, because they're not challenging for the title. They won it last year and were decent. But the question is whether Real Madrid and Barcelona were just so poor last season that that's why they managed to take advantage. But underlying XG and XG against shows that they are performing, if not the same as last year, probably even a bit better. Mm. But there's something else with it as well. I think we're going to cover this in a video on TIFO's uh, IRL soon. Uh, like the start of last season, when Atletico flew into the lead, Luis Suarez was really performing above his XG. So he was like 16 goals or something in 10 games, something crazy like that. I'm maybe making that number up. But he scored a heap at the start. No, that was it. That was it. It was 10.7 XG for him uh, for, from the beginning of the season to February and oh, he scored 16 goals. There was also Marcus Llorente is yeah. another player who came up. 1.7 XG from that in that part time period. He scored eight goals. Two of them, I think, were, were deflected shots. That's extraordinary. It, that doesn't normally happen. And the thing with expected goals, you can't rely on it for anything because it'll eventually level out. And so Atletico kind of leveled out towards the second half of the season and uh, regress to the mean, I think is what the, the saying is. And then they are now currently doing what they were doing last season. But the thing is, with XG, right, it can be a little mistake. So the goalkeeper is very good, Jan Oblak. Um, and again, was overperforming last season. But this season, maybe just haven't had the luck. That can honestly be what it is sometimes. Um, Suarez hasn't been scoring as many. They're trying to change the system a little bit. They started with, I think, a 3-5-2 this season, or 5 2 we would call it. But they've been changing to, I think it was more of a 4-3-3 today they played. Um, and I, th- I thought they were nowhere near the game at all. Like they were from the start. Yeah. One of the first things I think they said to you when we were watching earlier was Barcelona had the ball in defence, and it was Araujo and and PK were just walk- walking with the ball, just slowly walking towards the halfway line. There was a good like honestly seven, eight, nine, ten seconds where Atletico didn't do anything, just sat off it. It was very different to what you see in like English football, for example. Yeah, yeah. Because you just wouldn't get the time. You would get screamed at to go and ch- close them down. But they were trying to stay off them that way, and then there was loads of errors. Like Versalco got hooked at half time, and then I think Daniel Vass came on. And he was he did not have a good time. Was, his, was it his debut? I think it was his debut. He came on, yeah, he didn't do very well. I think he was injured at the end as well. Didn't look mm. very good for him. Um, on one hand, like we know they're trying to transition into being. They were very defensive and very rigid, and they've definitely shaken that off. 
and they're trying to attack more, but they've managed to keep their defensive solidity, which is important for how they want to play under Simeone. Uh, but yeah, so apparently they're just really unlucky, and it should be it should balance out again that they're actually all right. They were overperforming yeah. a bit last season, but yeah, there's a, there's a happy medium somewhere where they balance out, but are better than they are now. Well, they, this is the thing: they did enough in the first half of last season before various injuries uh, in order to um, to to lock in that title win. But I would say uh, the other thing is that they did this last season during a period of time where it was it was a real transition moment for Real Madrid and, and Barcelona. Real Madrid have hit, hit the ground running this season are currently, I think now, seven or eight points uh, ahead at the top, um, look the most likely to win at the moment. Barcelona finding their way back out under under Xavi now. Um, but they, you know, it's a bit, I mean, it happens sometimes in the Premier League as well, doesn't it? A, a team wins it at a time when other top teams aren't performing hugely well. Barcelona, on that hand, um, they're looking an improved team, aren't they? Mm. You know, we were talking earlier about how the one thing they were lacking earlier in the season was, was, was pace and crossing. They got it now. Yeah, so obviously when you lose Lionel Messi, you lose uh, everything because he's the best player in the world. But then what they definitely didn't have for a long time is pace, uh, just flat out pace. And you saw that, I think, most of all in Champions League last season when they were just getting battered by teams who were more powerful than them. So I think they, they lack some power, some like, kind of aggression. And um, you think about how football's changed, like the, the kind of ticky-tacka multi-possession football that we had before at Barca mm. has moved on a bit to the more German model, which is very uh, in transition, very vertical. Um, and there's a place for all of it at the same time. And this Barcelona look like a very quick, uh, quicker version of the Guardiola kind of thing. You don't, it'll never be exactly the same because, you know, there's... That time's come and gone. Oh, yeah. And also the players will play different ways. Sure. So you know, you're not going to get Iniesta and Xavi and Messi in the same team ever again. Um, you will have Dani Alves, though. <laughs> you will have Gavi and uh, Pedri Gavi. and Ansu Fati. Pedri's so good. I know I say this every time we talk about anything mm. to do with Spain or Barcelona, but he's on. He will. My favorite thing about watching that game with you today was you were you spent about two minutes talking about how good Pedri is, and uh, at the moment that you decided to do that. Uh, he, he kicked the ball at someone it went out and then fell over <laughs> I thought it was so perfect football often has good timing well, even the best players can do that I thought it's the thing like so it'll be interesting to see how their front three works going forward because you want to have that pace so Aubameyang's come in right Memphis Depay doesn't seem to be getting a game now he was a, kind of their main striker their main purchase before mm-hmm. he's now not really as important as you think he would be Aubameyang if he is good I think he'd be alright in La Liga Sure. I think so. Adama Traore, I can't figure out, right? So he is um, it's a good a little stat that I found that since he's been in the Premier League with, I think it was, must have been Wolves, maybe Middlesbrough Championship. I think Middlesbrough Championship, Wolves in the Premier League, whichever it was. Mm. His first season in the Premier League, I think, was 2017 18. Yeah. No player in the Premier League has attempted or completed more dribbles than Adama Traore in that time. Like, he is an absolute machine. He sure. is so quick, explosive. Great, like, te- like technically dribbling, he's amazing. You can even see like his technique when he's doing his, um, you know, the Barcelona players have to do like a keepy ups. Yes, in front the, of the, sort of the player announcement where they film for for the for media. Yeah, yes. So he's doing lots of uh, lots of skills. Basically, he's a very dribbly boy. Very good at football. Yeah, but I don't think his output is very good, and that's not controversial at, at all because it's what everyone says about him. He's got no. You can't shoot, you can't cross, you can't pass. I went and watched all his crosses the other day. I genuinely did this, by the way. You I did watch through, all of them. I went through all his crosses. And can and I just say, this season. came from an argument that you and I were having. Uh, I thought you were being unnecessarily negative about his end result. I know that, you know, the sort of, the the, the, the common wisdom around um, Adama Traore is that, is that whilst he is fantastic at dribbling and carrying the ball, his end result often isn't isn't that good. He had one season in the Premier League a couple of years ago where he scored more goals than he did at any other time. And I think that's when 
he came to everyone's attention because yeah. people have thought for for some time now if he could finish or if he could uh, you know pass cross the ball, the ball yeah. in better or pass the ball he'd be he'd be uh, you know it costs you 60 70 million pounds but this thing he's not a, great at doing well there that. are a few players in the world that can play like him this is the thing so he has that so that explosive pace it, I I can't think of a player I've seen who is more fun to watch in that sort of regard I think like like Alan St Maxwin is it's also high dribble rate so it's uh, similar sort of stylistically uh, and is very quick. And is a focal point for his team, so a lot of the yeah, play goes through him, sure. and therefore you see it more often. But Traore um, can just run through people. And people, also people King Silamazi, remember? So like he mm-hmm. he is, should be well-versed in how to play. So he's been to like football university, so he knows how to play the Barcelona way inside out. And I think you saw, and this is very obvious, you put a player amongst better players, and he will look like a better player himself. There was a couple of times when he absolutely battered a pass towards Dani Alves, because Alves is one of the greatest players, I think, of all time, yeah. just kills it. It's like dead instantly, and then they can move on from there because that's what Alves can do. But if you did that to, like, Doherty, yes. it's going to bounce off his foot. Sure. So this is the thing. So then you're going to look worse. And when you're trying to chip the ball into the box, the thing is the crosses that I found when watching them all from this season alone, I'm sure he's had other good crosses, he tends to either lift it into the area so it's lofted, in which case the keeper can just come off his line and grab it. Yeah. Um, or he'd power it far too much over the top of the everyone in the box, so you couldn't even use it as a cross. Which is funny because that's kind of a bit what he did today. And then uh, the the, the this first is the best goal cross scored. I've seen him do. It was amazing. It's yeah. perfect, exactly. Yeah. And then and Gabby's obviously reaching up and getting the header mm-hmm. on it. But then Gabby's a really good player. Um, off the ball and on it so he just knows where to be and when to time his jump and getting into that to maybe being surrounded by I mean I don't, don't want to be harsh to, 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 to Jimenez who you know is a fantastic head of the ball but being surrounded by so many fantastic players who can get on the end of Triori crosses do you think that's uh, it's going to help his assist numbers this season I think he'll get a lot out of Luke de Jong now as a target man will be good for getting into that but I would expect that Xavi will have him hit low crosses as much as possible because that's tends to be what Barcelona do that kind of uh, cutback thing where what you want to do is you make a striker make a run to the front post but the actual target is someone who's cut back to the edge of like the penalty spot mm-hmm. you know what I mean so you get into the box it's like that pro evo goal where you get to the, the side of the box and then low pass it in so everyone, yeah. did, it, everyone did it at uni sure yeah. well there good we game. Go. I really enjoyed that game a Barcelona lot. good now then uh, judging by today yes but uh, I don't know, that's the first time they've had all these new players in. Javi only time with that the rest of the season. I think next season they'll be a better team. Because, I mean, they'll get rid of Dembele and have some more money maybe to play with, mm. wherever they're getting their money from. Yeah. And then they can step it up. Sure, I guess. step it up. Okay. Yeah. Well, there we go. That was Barcelona 4-2, Atletico Madrid. Inter Milan won to AC Milan. Now, you didn't watch this game. I saw some of it. I saw uh, most of most of the game yesterday. Huge win for Milan, I will say. The main thing I was going to say about this game, though, because, it, it, well, in this uh, in this game, uh, Inter went 1-0 up, looked the dominant team. Milan sort of uh, snatched it, really, towards the end. Two goals from Olivier Giroud, who, I'll be completely honest, I didn't even really know played for AC Milan <laughs> until I saw that yesterday. <laughs> so that was interesting for me to learn. Uh, but the other side, JJ, as you'll be pleased to know, that it keeps the title race tight. Yeah? What a big turnaround from 1-0 down. And, of course, also another red card. There have been a few red cards uh, this weekend, and quite a lot I've noticed in Serie A. I don't know, I'm interested to look at that maybe on Tuesday. But uh, Teo Hernandez also getting himself yeah, a red card at the very end of the game for a super cynical foul. Um, but uh, big game, big happenings there in Milan. 
and uh, keeping Serie A exciting for the yeah, rest of the season. Juventus aren't running away with it again. That's a th- it's all these leagues in Europe are just ruined Juventus by are one fifth, team. I think. Yeah, they're not doing very well. No, they can come back round. I mean, Atalanta lost uh, today as well. I can't remember who they were playing, but they lost against a team that I wasn't. Ex- I wouldn't expect them to lose against. Uh, so uh, I believe Napoli won again. There were a couple of red cards today. Lots of red cards. Very tight at the top. So, so fifty-three points for Inter, fifty-two Napoli, fifty-two Milan. Yeah, nice. Yeah, there like we it. go. Well, sorry, uh, let's keep eyes on that. Also. Keeping eyes very closely on Leverkusen beating Dortmund 5-2, but not literally very closely because we also didn't watch this game. Again, there really are only two of us here this weekend, and uh, we spent most of our time watching uh, AFCON and a little bit of Barcelona at Letico Madrid earlier. But I didn't want to leave that one out because Leverkusen beating Dortmund 5-2 is some result for the Bundesliga. Dortmund, of course, a couple of weeks ago... Uh, were uh, were playing Leipzig, chasing Bayern. They were, they, you know, they were I think six or seven points behind. So this will do uh, a great deal of harm to the title race in the Bundesliga. But again, it just shows yes. that Dortmund Bayern might not win it again. Well, exactly. But uh, this kind of shows again that Dortmund don't really know what they are as a team at the moment. It's very inconsistent. Uh, I specifically definitely don't know what Dortmund are as a team. Um, again, talking about these these leagues that are ruined around Europe. Like, I don't know if anyone will ever win. <laughs> Bundesliga again. Who let's let's talk about away. this though, because it doesn't stop the Bundesliga from being fun, right? Like every time I watch a Bundesliga game, oh, no, I like it. Yeah. I like the football, but I know what you mean. It's kind of disappointing that Bayern win it every year, but uh, the games are fun. It's very easy to dismiss, dismiss things like that that you don't actually pay attention to, like for, people often do with um, the Scottish League, for example. Um, it is always one of Rangers or Celtic that wins it. I don't know if that'll ever ever change again. Yeah, God, I wish it would, but yeah. it doesn't matter how much I wish, how many write, letters I write, there's nothing. Nothing changes. Yeah. Uh, but then I guess we get to see Bayern in the Champions League and do all there. Fisa Factsack saying in the chat that uh, Leverkusen completely destroyed Dortmund. I'm quite keen to see the the highlights of that game. I do actually. I could watch it right now and tell and you. Will White saying the Bundesliga is uh, is fun to watch, but not fun to follow. That's quite a, a nice, concise way of saying that. That's quite good, yeah. Thank you, Will White. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ah, we're back. And we will be talking about the FA Cup because there were big games in the FA Cup. But before that, something, and again, I remind listeners to this podcast in the aftermath, that we are live now as we, uh, we're we doing a live stream immediately after the AFCON final. Um, but uh, one of the things I enjoyed greatly about today, which was myself and a producer, Don, one of our other producers, Craig, who you can follow at Craig Tifo on Twitter. He's just joined. And uh, JJ, we were sat around watching uh, watching the football. And uh, I found out about a little game that JJ plays with himself. It keeps him very happy and chuckling away there, which is a game about finding all the funny sponsored links on various large media sites. Do you want to explain this? So, so if you go into a website like uh, The Mirror or The Daily Mail or something like that. The Mail Online. Mail Online is mm. a separate thing to Daily Mail, actually. <clears throat> yeah. It's uh, confusing. But what you'll see is those links that come up at the bottom with a big picture or something, and then the copy below it reads as though it's been written by AI. It doesn't seem very real. Sure. And I really, really like them a lot. Now you found a few of these. I send them to my uh, <laughs> one of my best friends. I send them uh, to him often when I find them. And today I found sure. loads. I thought it would be funny 
occasionally as the conversation might dip here and there for the rest of the podcast we talk about the FA Cup we're talking about Burnley and Watford Celtic Rangers there'll be moments I think for the rest of the show where we might want to cheer ourselves up and listen to a to a sponsored link headline yeah. would you like to kick us off now with one just before we talk about uh, Middlesbrough beating Manchester United yeah the first one I found um, that I liked is a picture of it's a picture of Phil Foden he looks young he had blonde hair I think it's from the Euros and the copy says Try not to gasp when you see Phil Foden's wife. <laughs> this is the thing. Can I say about these sponsored links as yeah. well? They're very much, they're either sort of things like, you won't believe this cream, which, you know, yeah. turns you back 30 years of the aging process. Yeah. Or one of a number of things about how women look. That's another thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. And the other ones will be things like a, getting a gym ready body. Well, I've got yeah. a much better one for you now. Yeah, go on, give me one more. Um, it's a picture of what looks like some sort of sea captain. And it says, I've seen Jaws seven times and I still failed this Jaws quiz. <laughs> <laughs> Who would click on that? Someone's paid to have that on somewhere. Farmer sets up camera to see why Leopard visits his cow every night. <laughs> that sounds good, though. I would click on that one. But of course, Man United lost to Middlesbrough on penalties, 8-7. Eight, 8-7, eight, some fantastic penalties here. Um, in, the, in the game itself, uh, JJ, Matt Crooks scored uh, for Middlesbrough, Jaden Sancho getting a goal too. Of course, the headlines went to, to Anthony Alanga for, uh, for missing the, 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 the final penalty. Um, and Man United created, you know, a heap of chances during the game. Didn't manage to score any of them though, including Ronaldo missing a penalty. This was quite the result. Uh, yeah, it's one of these things that feels... <laughs> It shouldn't, it shouldn't happen to Manchester United, especially the players they have and what they're trying to do and trying to rebuild and everything, but it feels so very apt. Um, I don't know, it seems very believable, doesn't it? Chris Wilder coming to Middlesbrough and putting in that three-five-two that he likes as well. Paul Pogba came back into play. Yeah. He did some good things. Yeah. Was against Middlesbrough. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting to see where he fits in going forward as well. I am curious. I mean, of course, he is out of contract at the end of the, at the, end of the season, so yeah. theoretically could be leaving for free. Um, but all the sounds around him and Rangnick have been positive so far. Who could say? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, to see as well what happens when Wambasaka is back. He's not ready yet, is he, Wambasaka? Because Diogo, Diogo Dallo is still getting the Diogo right Dallo has still been playing, although it is unclear to me whether that would continue to be a preference or not. I've thought Diogo Dallo has played reasonably well over the last few games. He certainly seems more the type of fullback that a Rangnick team might prefer to play with, whether or not he is of the sufficient quality, as I suppose a different question. But it was a little awkward at times in those early games watching Wambasaka in the Rangnick system. Um, yeah, I don't know how, quite how that's going to work. A problem for later, maybe. Well, this, the, the ones I've got to figure out is how to get most out of Jadon Sancho. Uh, how to work Paul Pogba into that system, what system they even want to really play. Um, there's an awful lot to fix with it. it it's not a... Yeah, I, I, I don't really know a Man United artist now. It's a team directly in transition. They don't... I don't... And you can easily see that they'll look at Ragnick and say, well, we'll need to probably get another manager because we're not winning every game. So you expect to win every game. But the more yeah. you do that, the longer it takes to actually get any sort of cohesion and... Well, you know, it's interesting. We made a video recently about this. Uh, Carl from earlier in the show was on, on the video. I remember him saying at the time, might have been Adam Crafton, who, who was the other guest, one of the two of them saying, it's a bit of an odd one with Rangnick, isn't it? Because if he does really well, they're obviously not going to get another manager, you wouldn't have thought. They'll probably just carry on with him next season. If he doesn't do well and they do get another manager, 
then when he tries to take the step upstairs, surely everyone's going to think, well, hold on a second, you you didn't do well, so why do you get to go and do the advisory role thing? It's it's Although what, what sounded like maybe smart thinking initially is full of holes and problems. If it works, this is the thing, it's, this sounds very obvious, but if it works, then it's going to be a very smart move. If it doesn't, yeah. it'll, there'll be all loads of sure. reasons for it. Why it was a bad top tier analysis from JJ Bull the Bull. I know. Well, like Michael Cox often uh, talks on Twitter about how you have to remember that Rangnick hasn't really managed for a long time. So you're trying to put someone into this one of the most difficult jobs in the entire football uh, world Mm -hmm. and trying to turn a team which is all over the place, has been constructed in many different uh, ways, doesn't seem to be working. I mean, look at how maybe even look at how well Solskjaer had them running like last year even yep. I think maybe it wasn't that bad after all but uh, yeah I think the plan was always to have him move upstairs and do that consultancy kind of stuff to help oversee everything and change more things long term because obviously they've also changed um, who runs the club Edward Bird has left yeah. and it's come Richard Arnold we've done a video on this on TIFO IRL um, which I'd recommend you watch because it's lots of good information in there from people who know far more about it than certainly me mm. Uh and explain what's going on there. <clears throat> You're right, we've talked about this a lot. Let's move on to say that uh, Nottingham Forest beat Leicester 4-1 in the FA Cup today. 4-1, I think you watched the, the highlight goals again. We, we didn't manage to watch the game because we're live streaming immediately after the AFCON final. Oh, can I say one thing, which is just before even the Man United yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. the controversial thing about that game was that the goal was allowed to stand at Middlesbrough scores. Yeah, the handball goal. It was clearly a handball. I can see... What, yeah. Well, they changed the rules though, didn't they, in the summer, which is interesting. Like It it, it, it was a handball, but it wasn't clearly intentional. Um, the interesting one about that is, I think the rules stated that if he'd scored immediately afterwards, it would have been ruled out. Uh, but... Because he passed it, was the assist maker, and then the goal was scored by his colleague, it wasn't ruled out. Him touching the ball very clearly kept it under his control. The ball would have gone out of the touchline, I think, if he hadn't done. So it's a difficult one to understand. And they do make these tweaks to, to the handball rule. They make these, you know, these tweaks to some of the controversial rules throughout the game. I can see why people would have been a bit upset about that. I think you, you, on other days you would see that given. I genuinely think in handball things you should do it as though it's a five-a-side where you just sort of people, everyone just accept it's handball. You just say it's handball and move on. Everyone agrees. You just sort of have that thing where everyone agrees. One person might fall out, you do yeah. it. But you just go with the majority because they're... It's when you say, come on, obviously that's handball. And yeah. they're like, yeah, fair enough. And, but the thing with that goal is I'm not sure I would be like that at fives. At fives, no. I think I'd be... I didn't mean to kick it off of my hand and then I passed yeah. it and it was gone and just play on, doesn't matter. Sure. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this did matter because now you know well, indeed, it did. It you know, there you go. It, now impossible, I think, unless uh, Rangnick and Manchester United go on an incredible scoring run. Uh, impossible for them to win a trophy this this season. Uh, so yeah, as we say, we move on there from um, from Manchester United. Congratulations to Middlesbrough. Be exciting to see them in the next round. Other FA Cup games we referenced before: uh, Nottingham Forest beating Leicester City four one. Someone in the chat who asked just before a question I want to find here from Dylan Herndon. Is James Madison due for a big money move to a Premier League rival? Well, it's interesting that uh, that Dylan asks that question because we were having a conversation about him just before the podcast started. Yeah. Uh, you think he's rubbish? I don't think he's rubbish. No, I you think... didn't say that. You said you thought he was just all right and a bit overhyped. Yeah, I think he is. I think, he's, um, I think if he wasn't English, uh, I don't think he'd be quite so highly talked up. Maybe easy for me to say. But I don't think... So you look at players who are creative, you need to look at the numbers they produce and his chances created tends to be quite high, but mostly from set pieces. It's mm. open play chance creation. I um, There's a good chance I'm absolutely wrong with this, but I remember when I'm looking through all Opta stats before, they never actually... Um, 
uh, he was never actually that good in open play. So you, you, you can separate chances created from set police and open play. And suddenly players who look very creative, you realise it's because they're hooking the ball into the box. Yeah. That's why they're good. Yeah. Now, I, I saw James Madison when he was playing at Aberdeen um, in the flesh. And uh, he was wearing a, a football strip as well at the same mm, time. Mm. But, uh, Thank he, goodness. Yes, very much so. It'd be horrifying were he to like, turn inside out or mm. just a skeleton in the team. It anyway, he, uh, he, I thought then... So I thought he was a great player, especially at Aberdeen at that level when he was there. He was young, he wasn't quite finished. And he said that he, that he learned a lot at Aberdeen, especially in there, Derek McInnes, the manager, who was very good at kind of turning, like, uh, kids who were just coming to the first team and making them ready to play with the big lads. These are the sorts of things you remember right? when, when a player says, yeah, yeah. he learned a lot at Aberdeen. You'll, you'll remember that to the he day you die. He scored his top corner free kick against Rangers once, <laughs> and it was amazing, and I think yeah. I went to again. But then he was very much a kind of... Uh, this all sounds overly harsh, right? I think he's a good player, clearly. But uh, he's like a YouTube player. So he has a highlight that happens now and again every few games. And you think, wow, that guy's amazing. Yeah. He's so good. I should get him on my team. But he doesn't produce it that often. And when he was, he scored a few goals, I think last season, maybe the season before, he's interviewed on TV and said that, yeah, he's really trying to improve his numbers because that's what he needs to do. And that's what Rodgers would be telling him, I would imagine. Yeah. As a coach, you'd be saying, like, you're doing the right things in the final third, you're creating chances, but you're not producing the numbers that are going to make you an actual star. Yeah. And you think of the players that he might be compared to, coming through to England especially, you get players like, I mean, uh, Jude Bellingham, uh, Phil Foden, essentially 10. I mean, how much better of a player, or how much more does Foden produce? Mm. Much more, much more exciting is he to watch? A lot. Well, there's Jack say. Grealish as well. I mean, I Grealish, guess the way yeah. of looking at it is who is going to get into the England team ahead of him, right? Well, anyway, we, said we didn't watch the, the, the Leicester game, so we weren't able to, uh, to to talk about that too much. Apologies. Again, just the two of us watching a few different things. But there were a few other results here that we can go through. Norwich beating Wolves, I thought, was an interesting one. Wolves have, uh, you know, under Bruno Large have been a fantastic team uh, for 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 most of the season so far, great to see Norwich there getting on a bit of a of a bit of a winning run. Um, as reference is told to us by someone in the chat, uh, I, I'd written down in the in the plan just before we started. So far, Boreham Wood beating Bournemouth at half time. They went on to win that game one nil, which is fantastic. Uh, very exciting again to see uh, Boreham Wood from the fifth tier of English football beating Bournemouth. There we go, a big sort of giant killing in that regard. Liverpool easing past Cardiff in the, in the other Sunday game. And of course also... The well, big thing on the Liverpool thing though is that they've got Harvey Elliott is back. Yeah, so soon it feels to me. Yeah, he, I thought he was like, going to be missing most of the season, but he came back in and scored. I think Jota scored and uh, someone else important, uh, Minamino, I think. Oh, Minamino, yeah. That's the thing, I saw someone tweet, and I, can't, uh, I think it was Bearded Genius, I think it was, said mm. that Liverpool have already made moves to replace, um, not Salah, but, uh, but Manny... And Firmino, so they got Jota in there um, by bringing in these. So they brought in Elliot, Jota, and now Luis Diaz, who also came off the bench. I think he made his debut for Liverpool. I think he got some sort of uh, hit as well. Yeah, I haven't seen him play, but apparently something happened to him. It wasn't good. Yeah, but that's what they've they've dealt with that. So there's, if you look how well run they are. They are already planning for what happens when uh, Manny is not going to play for them anymore, or if Salah goes somewhere, or Firmino stops playing or whatever. So they've done that. Whereas Manchester United still haven't even replaced Michael Carrick. <laughs> well, there we go. Yeah. Frank Lampard, of course, was his debut game for Everton, who beat Brentford 4-1 with goals from, uh, from Mina, from Holgate, from Richarlison and Townsend. I wonder if that could be uh, an interesting uh, start to Frank Lampard's uh, career there with Everton. Very exciting for him and for the fans, no doubt. 
Uh, good start. I really enjoy the tweet that was uh, put out. I've not even very much analysis today, I've noticed. Um, the tweet went out of, of Frank Lampard's welcoming video they put on social media, and it's him with the Hollyoaks theme tune in the background. It's very good. Uh, this game, so he his first team, this is his first Everton team, I thought he'd play with a... It's very... Predictably, I think you go with like a four-two-three-one and play the kind of Mourinho Lampard we maybe think at Chelsea it was mostly four-two-three-one, but he set up in a three-four-three. Uh, Did he really the back three? Yes, um, and obviously the one, so that's good. It's funny, I suppose, with the back three, you're really looking for safety and solidity. Well, that's when yeah, what they need to do is try and make themselves much harder to beat. They've been just terrible at everything, basically. Everything. Now we're looking through some stats for a video we've done. Um, it's to do with like passes attempted, passes completed. They're really low down. They hardly have any of the ball. Their ball progression is poor, and their ball um, ball progression and ball retention are both very poor. So the way Benitez has played them has been very defensive. I think Lampard are probably more of an attacking coach. But the first thing they've done. So they, they, I mean, the last game I think that uh, they played was a four-four-two or something like that before he came back in. Mm. Um, and that was, I think it was Duncan Ferguson in charge for that game. And they played against, what is it, Norwich they played, and they were also 4-4-2. And now, yeah, so this team's a 3-4-3. But I think it gives Everton good balance, the players that they have. Yeah. Because they don't have very good, I mean, they've lost, uh, Luca Dina has gone, and obviously to Aston Villa, so that's a big left-back shaped hole gone. They brought in Nathan Patterson at right-back. They sent another left-back as well, I think. Um, Benitez was allowed to buy those fullbacks, sell one of their best players, and then was fired. Mm. Which a lot of sense. Yeah. But the back three, like Holgate, Keane, Godfrey, should work. Um, they did sign Deli Alley and Donny van de Beek, who I think might actually be quite similar players, especially positionally, and that could end up being a thing where they're trying to get into the same spaces. I think Donny van de Beek really, could probably adapt more to play in the eight role. They kind of have a three in midfield. I don't know if van de Beek could play as part of a midfield two. This is the shape they're going to play going forward. Mm. I mean, if this is the shape they're going to play going forward, and it might not be, this is the very first game. Seems odd to have got Deli Alley and van de Beek. Uh, yeah, that just seems like they've got some good players available so they can get them in. Mm. But doing that and then spending £40 million on Deli Alley, who, there was a time when he looked like an amazing player, Deli Alley. But, uh, and it would be really nice if he can get back anywhere near close to what he was when he was at that level. But this seems very much like an Everton signing, where they sign someone who's all right, yeah. can't really get a game at his own team, and then they sign them for all the money. It's very much like Alex Iwobi, I think. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll be curious to see more of those as uh, as Everton progress under Frank Lampard. Sixth tier, Kidderminster Harriers took West Ham to all the way to extra time, JJ, before uh, before losing. Sadly, uh, get this: I don't know if you saw uh, saw the stats from this game. Uh, Declan Rice scoring in the ninety first minute to one one to take it to extra time, mm. and then uh, Jared Bowen scoring in the one hundred and twenty first minute to prevent it from going to penalties. Kidderminster Harriers so close there. To an exciting FA Cup scalp. Yeah, I don't really have anything to say. The FA Cup's really great, but the way you beat teams that are bigger than you is just by doing the same thing usually. It is by defending all game and taking yeah. advantage of one set piece sort of like yeah. a, a counter-attack. Yeah. There's a lot of controversy um, surrounding Declan Rice's decision to um, celebrate his uh, equalising goal against a team so far down the table. Uh, and yeah. that, that's a bit pony. He shouldn't have done that. I think it's all right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, we'll go to one more quick break. It's been a long show today, but there's a little bit more to talk about. We're going to come back and, and reference Burnley Watford being, you know, nil-nil draw at the bottom of the table. In fact, I'll probably just say that again. And uh, Celtic Rangers, of course, was, uh, you know, last Wednesday. We didn't get time to talk about that before. So we will reference that, of course, as well. 
This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Mmm. Burnley nil. Nil Watford. Um... Quite dull, I don't know. I didn't watch it. But the reason I bring it up, JJ, is because it's right at the bottom of the table. Burnley and Watford both needing three points, really, both taking one. It could be enough. The game game in hand issue at the bottom of the Premier League table at the moment is a very interesting one. And, of course, this game being played is an example of the consequences of that. Um, games in hand at the bottom, very much not the same as games in hand at the top. But uh, Norwich only just staying outside of the relegation zone there. Things are really hotting up ahead of the end. Well, Burnley have three games in hand on them. Mm. Uh, they got and they've got Vad Veghorst as well now. Yes. Who I was I did actually want to see some of this game. It was at six pm yesterday. I couldn't watch it just to see him play. Um, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, Newcastle I think did really well in the window, and I would expect them to slowly pull away. It might even end up being teams like Brentford and Leeds get pulled down a little bit towards the bottom. Leeds have had their injury problems all season long. If they can, that's just something you can't really do much about, right? Mm-hmm. Burnley have just been selling their players and not really bringing in anyone for ages. So bringing in Veghorst, having already brought in, um, uh, what's his name, Cornet, uh, early in the season. Yeah. This is the first time they've really looked outside um, the island that we live on to try and sign players. Yeah. Well, I guess Jeff Hendrick was Irish. But yeah, so they're trying to bring in players from abroad, maybe like expand a little bit and make themselves a bit sexier, have some nice uh, attacking players. Sean Dyche, I'd imagine, won't deviate from how they play. It's going to be the same thing. It'll be necessary to be really hard to beat, rely on the same things that they do, and still try and punch up the entire time. They're not going to be a big team. But I don't think Norwich are safe at all. I think Watford are in real trouble. Newcastle should be able to pull away. Everton, I think, made a decent choice to change the manager when they did. But they had a little new manager bounce, and that went over Brentford with the FA Cup. So this could be a good start for Lampard. We still don't really know what... Lampard is as a manager. It was very mixed at Derby, I thought. And at Chelsea, there were some good with a lot of very obvious bads, particularly when they attacked and left loads of space behind for people to counterattack. And any decent team uh, was able to exploit that on many occasions. So that'll be a thing we see with Everton. This is really interesting. Sam Troy in the chat, uh, I'm not sure if this is more, I haven't fact-checked it, but Sam Troy says, if everyone gets a point from their games in hand, then the bottom four are tied on points which is a quite exciting uh, scenario there. There are a couple of other questions. One from uh, from Robin Escalante, who asks, is uh, is Julian Alvarez any good? Now, Julian Alvarez from River Plate, of course, Manchester City uh, signed him. I think he's gone back on loan. Has he, has he gone, he's gone back on loan, hasn't he, yeah, until the end of the season? Summer, so it'll be when he's the Libertadores ends. Yes. Then yes. he can move over, yeah. Yeah, so we didn't talk about that last week. I forgot to put him on the on the list of the sort of transfers uh, to discuss. But uh, I guess the question for you there, JJ, would be, is Julian Alvarez uh, any good? Do you know? Yes, I do know. He is a, yeah, he's a really, really talented striker. Well, actually, we talked about him in uh, one of the videos we did around Christmas time was Tifo's... Uh, Team of the Year or something, Tifo Awards we did. Um, and it's a great video. It's very well cut by, by editor Craig, who you can follow on Tifo, oh, on Twitter. I'm seeing lots of words. It's Tifo Craig. Yeah, Tifo Craig on Twitter. Follow him. Uh, 
but we, uh, we mentioned we were trying to pick a best player outside of the top five leagues, traditional ones, and so we scoured uh, all over the globe and found uh, Alvarez, who's been doing very well for River Plate. It's mm. been to be thought of very highly there. Um, I think he's 22, so he should be at age. Like he's not like Gabriel Jesus came into to Man City and was able to play straight away when yeah. he was younger. Some players just develop at different times. It could be like the, the it's normally not physical, it'd be mental readiness for it. Mm. But I, I think from what I've read, mostly of Sam Lee actually on The Athletic, subscribe as well, uh, that you don't know if he'll be ready to come in straight away yeah. and, and make a lot of noise. He's a young lad. Well, there was a theory that maybe he wasn't being bought for Man City, but he'd been bought for the City group. Mm. So he could go to one of the other places like an MLS or mm. they got, they've got one in India, I think they've got one in Australia. Australia, well. yeah. Um, so it could have been that's what they're doing. And that's quite an interesting new model of what a lot of clubs are doing where they have various assets. So yeah, but he'll probably come in and I'd imagine they'll sign another striker to be the actual or, or some sort of forward to be the main one next season. Mm. I would have thought. Okay. They'll do. Yeah. Okay. Well, do you want to tell me a little bit about Celtic Rangers? That was uh, last Wednesday, I believe. And I'll, I'll find one final question from the chat as you're doing that and then we'll end. Okay. That's good. Um, yeah. Celtic Rangers was great fun as a neutral. Um, I'm sure there are Rangers fans who are unhappy. I talked to some uh, yesterday, actually. I talked to some Rangers fans yesterday. Uh, Celtic were really good. So Ange Postacoglu has come in. Um, it's taken him a long time to get, I think not, not an awfully long time, but enough time to make this team play the way he wants them to. It's very much in his image now. Lots of rotations. Uh, they press, they attack quickly. Um, he's brought in a lot of new players as well. Um, Hatati came in and scored uh, a goal in, in, in this game here. So if you've never watched the old firm before, uh, it is usually very exciting. Weirdly, both teams have now stopped. I think both have. Certainly Celtic had it. And I think as a response to Rangers in the first place. They don't have any away fans in the ground now. Yeah. So it's, it changes the atmosphere it's a little weird. bit. Yeah. Celtic also spent loads of money on these. Uh, it was a bit of a meme on these disco lights that they had. So nights like this look amazing <laughs> on the TV because it's proper um, theatre, all the lights going off and stuff. Yeah. So you have that and the noise. Honestly, like it sounded like my iPad was louder than it normally should be because of the noise coming through. I watched it on an iPad. And uh, yeah, the atmosphere in these games is something else. But Celtic were just at them. Rangers couldn't get out. It was like a, when you're playing a video game and you're, you're sure that the computer's against you because there's nothing you can do. It doesn't matter what you do, where you pass it. Mm. All your passes go not where you aimed them. It happens in real life too, I think. Sometimes the computer's not against me. Welcome again to JJ's conspiracy theories where the computer is against him and uh, nothing that he thinks is going to happen will indeed happen. Now, JJ, remind me, uh, was it uh, Rangers or Celtic today? Was it Rangers or Celtic today that won 5-1 or something, 5-0? Uh, Rangers won 5 0 today, I think yeah, it was. Okay, okay. Against Hearts. I did not see that coming. Right. Um, so the Celtic Rangers are very much in a title race this year. So mm. uh, the thing is, you'd always expect. Obviously, Rangers won it last year um, and stopped the 10 in a row by Celtic. Uh, Hearts are doing all right um, and should not probably have lost to that. But that's almost certainly a response to. Uh, the, like, they got absolutely battered in that first half of Celtic Park like, completely done in I've not seen them get done like that for a long time um, so that's the response and obviously Giovanni Van Bronckhorst is their manager now he replaced Stephen Gerrard when he went to Aston Villa mm. and that doesn't look good for you just brand new in your first uh, old firm game as a 3-0 no proper. Like, they slowed down in the second half yeah uh, today actually Aaron Ramsey because obviously Aaron Ramsey saying, I keep saying obviously you've noticed that and yes, Ramsey signs. I've noticed that. Yeah, yeah I'm going to stop doing been that. Been a long day. Yeah. yeah. And Ramsey signed for them on loan from Juventus, and has a, uh, yeah, he is come in. I think he came off the bench to play in this game. He didn't play against Celtic. He was sat in the stands watching. 
undoubtedly a little worried as what he was getting himself into. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the title race will go to the end of the season. They're both it's 60 points and 59, 60 for Celtic, Rangers 59. So that was them pushing above to get in there. Um, yeah, obviously the other main concern uh, for the season is that Aberdeen are absolutely hoarse this year and can't win away from home ever. I think it's one of the worst records I've seen Aberdeen have. New manager Stephen Glass. Yeah. Starting to starting to turn some of the fans. An old glassy boy. Who will win the trophy? It's very hard to say. We don't know. But we'll we'll find out for you. This is the trophy there. One more question from the chat that I had was from Fardin uh, Siddiqui, wondering, and this is, again, if you like football stuff and you don't care about who we are, then this is the time for you to end listening to the podcast. But people ask me this question all the time, and I just saw it come up in the chat, so I figured it would be a useful time to, to answer it. Wondering why four of you, or all four of you, are not on the podcast at the same time. All four of us referencing myself, JJ, um, Seb Stafford-Bloor, and Alex Stewart. You would notice, of course, that uh, four of us are are never on the podcast at the same time. It is not because we can't be in the same room. It is quite literally because, A, we only have three microphones to do this properly. Um, B, we only have so many cameras. So creating a kind of four, five, six shot camera switcher for producer Don over there becomes a little bit uh, complicated. And and, and C, um, everyone, although it might seem like we just sit here and say nothing for lots of time, everyone's very busy. Uh, in their week. So it's nice for JJ and Alex to be able to take time to relax. You know, Seb and I, of course, the real workhorses, the Shire horses, you might say, the powerful Shire racehorses pulling everyone through. Um, That's not how uh, this works, sister. Well, it's just, you know, horses, big or small, fast or slow, we're all different types of horses. Yes. But anyway, Fatin, that is the answer. Very, it is quite boring. Um, there we go. Can I tell you an ad? Oh yeah, you can tell me one more sponsored clip before we go. One more. One more sponsored link, yes. I was going to do two more, just two more. Two more? Yeah. Fine. The US built a new submarine the world is afraid of. <laughs> it's a picture of a submarine. This is true though, I bet that's true. I bet that's true. I'm afraid of all the submarines that, not just the US, but every nation has built. What are they up to, those submarines? All well, they're, you know, n- nuclear patrolling, aren't they? I don't know, I assume I guess so. so. Uh, final one, um is a picture of someone cutting a banana with a knife and it says bowels a simple trick to empty them completely <laughs> and any any article that starts with bowels i'm reading it yeah yeah, into it, yeah. it's important to keep regular well there we go uh jj ball the bullard thanks to you for today thank you very much joe devine there we go uh producer don Thanks, and again, well done for keeping the mild panic I'm sure you were feeling earlier to a small emotion and getting through the day. Thumbs up from producer Don. And thanks to me. Uh, no, thanks to all the uh, you know, the live chat. We're going to do some more of these live streams as and when... Oh, I'm getting tired. As and when there are uh, uh, large events to cover, we're thinking maybe the latter stages of the Champions League. I believe they begin again in March or in April. We might do the, the quarters and the semis. Have a bit of fun. Mm. Who could say? I've always thought it's a good idea to commit yourself to something publicly yeah. so that you can't change your mind <laughs> I was later. I going to say it would be better if you didn't do that. But That's fine. true. And when you and I both arrive to our respective homes at uh, well gone midnight. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I'm going to get back now. <laughs> We're going to have a great time. Thanks to everyone who joined us in the chat this evening. And we will be back next week as, uh, as normal, I believe, with Alex Stewart joining us. Uh, so, uh, ah... Guten Nacht all, guten Nacht. Thank you.
The Athletic.